0: This is a fourth hand production. In
1: 1963, when this Duncan was 12, the Montauk scientist transferred the old Duncan's mind into the child's body. This forced the second Duncan out, although that is a fate that remains unexplained. So, even all this other, we're not sure about this little piece of the puzzle. But, why, sure, I'll stuff, have another
0: child I won't love to replace the child that I, I guess I do love. Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal. Now are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental uh, planes that they're building?
1: And police in Espanola are catching more than just criminals, they're catching images of what they believe are ghosts weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. I am Shane. I am
0: slightly less irritated than I was a few minutes ago. (laughs) I know.
1: It took us like, what, 20 minutes of fucking banter to calm down just a little bit from work.
0: God oh damn, yeah. Dude. It's, it's just been uh, a hell of a few days, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Totally. You know, like I said, I love my company to death, no harm done, but man, sometimes, you know, things are thrown at you and you're like, Jesus Christ, I, I have to prioritize this. I'm not sure how yet. It's just, it just gets frustrating. So I, Oh I, I yeah. Get
0: you, well, like I had to be back in the office for the first time in two years, two and a half years for the last couple days. And Holy shit, I forgot how much I just cannot stand that commute. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> It's not that bad either. What is it, like 12 miles from your place or
0: something? Uh, It's a little bit farther than that, but not much. It's like if the traffic's good, it's like fucking like 18 minutes or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like but driving to Draper. Everybody's like, oh, you live downtown and drive all the way to Draper? It's 15 fucking miles. It's not that bad.
0: But, yeah, it's like if, if gas prices weren't so shitty, it, I wouldn't be so yeah, irritated about sure. it. True, true. But like, cool. I spent twenty five dollars to spend a couple days in the office doing nothing that I could not have done
1: Sitting from home. Right, over said, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, they're they're trying. I mean, like, no, there, and it's you know? it's a
0: good thing. It's like you know we're there to like make con- like I have a whole new team that most of them I had like about half of them I'd never met in person. Oh, you wow. Know? So and and we've had we've hired a bunch of people over the last two years that uh, have either moved to Utah or that uh, work from other states, but that we brought, like, flew in for this so they could meet all the people they work with and stuff. So, like, it was, there was, like, good reasoning behind it. It's just actually doing it is rough, you know?
1: Yeah, well, It's you like get a uh, trying to
0: run a marathon when you've been sitting on your ass for two years
1: smoking cigarettes for fucking 10. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's that for sure. No, no, I get it. I get it. I think, you know, honestly, like I said, not to brag about my company, but I think we're ahead of the curve when it comes to this whole hybrid thing and how we treat people. And I don't know, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a bad thing, you know, but we'll, uh, we'll see what goes on. But, um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, my company.
0: company treats everybody pretty well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know what it, it's diversity. It's the culture. Um, I they treat me with respect. I treat them with respect. It's appreciation. It just, you know, it works out. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of awesome. But um, but I do want so folks, uh, welcome to Strange Uncles. We do have uh quite a uh quite a tail to weave on this one. I did want to, and again, not to get political soapboxy type thing, but man, okay, so I got a little bit of a rant. Three or four minutes if you want to just, you know, give me some time, Josh, and listeners, you know, bear with me. But because I'm sure yeah. every Yeah, feel free city... to skip
0: ahead if you're not into it. Yeah, 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 means. skip ahead like two, But three it's minutes, our platform. You know? We'll talk
1: about whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and, and here's the thing. Every city, especially large cities, have this issue. And and I, I, I totally get it. I understand. Homeless is a problem. Okay. I live in Spokane. Everybody has these jokes about Spokane, whatever have you. But, you know, I... Uh, deep down, I like the city. I really enjoy the city. It's it's you know you can drive thirty minutes and go fishing, or fifteen minutes to go town uh, downtown and watch a show, or you know the Nutcracker. What like it's just got everything that the wife and I need, and it's perfect. Yeah, it's a nice blue collar city, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's had its ups, it's had its down, just like every other city. But our homeless problem, dude, is out of fucking control. And here's so for those of you who may or may not know, Spokane's got. You know, again, not to brag, but number one, we uh, we invented Father's Day, which is eh, kind of cool. Um, eh, if you say so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't get ties, so that's a good thing. Um, plus, we have like a marathon we did, we do every year called Bloomsday Marathon. People around the world come. We've got a hoop fest thing I was telling you about, which is like a, the biggest, world's largest three man basketball thing. Whole city sets up like these little basketball courts and like it's really cool. There's some things that people come yeah. to the city for. and It's kind of neat. So what does our infamous mayor slash you know anybody in charge do about the homeless problem during these things? They put chain link up underneath the bridges and the sidewalks in order to bar them from putting tents or anything up so they're not in the way. Nobody can see, nobody see that we have a homeless problem instead of trying to take some of that money that we're making off these events and put it towards programs separating the homeless mental versus who's on drugs versus who just was shitty out of luck and lost their home and their whole family. Yeah, Believe it or not,
0: after two years of a fucking pandemic, some
1: people are just in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Right. But you don't lump them all into one basket. You got to separate them, handle it differently, but man, nobody, Wants to do programs. Nobody wants to put the money into it. Of course, nobody wants to have. And the city let the like, we're, it's larger than Seattle. As far as I know, I can gather by talking to everybody. Literally, there's two whole city blocks that the city owns. bare land. It's right off the freeway. There's RVs, tents, campers, shacks, tarps. You know, I mean, it, it is oh, out of control. Own FEMA camp. Uh, it really honestly is. So instead of trying to figure out what to. Now it's a problem that's out of control. Now they, yeah. now they can't put the genie back in the bottle and, you know, and again, it's, it's a little bit of a rant, but you know, I've got an application in for, um, one of the city council board things that is a it's not homeless, but it's low income and they've got two uh, seats available. So I'm seeing if I can, yeah. you know, at least try to help or try to do something. And again, I'll probably, you know, yell at the wind and nobody's going to listen, but man, I'll tell you, you know, I do feel for it. And then you had the drug in, you had the fentanyl, you had everything else, you had the crimes and the thefts. And it's just, it's really, really depressing. And how are cities handling it? You know?
0: Well, at least you're trying to do something that's more than most people do. Most people don't even give money, let alone like try actively try to do something, you know? I guess, Um,
1: yeah. I I don't, it's just frustrating, man.
0: It is because it's like, there's still people, you know? And like, I get like uh, a lot of, a lot of the reasons people end up on the streets are due to like addiction and, and mental illness and stuff. And it's like, well, that's not their fucking fault. Like addiction's a fucking disease. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, like, oh, you can't,
1: yeah.
0: You know, and you, it can put you in dire circumstances and, and, and desperate situations, you know? Like, yeah, there are definitely, like, I know people, a person, I know at least one person, uh, who's <laughs> basically homeless by choice. Like, uh, and not like cool vagabond, like camper van lifestyle, but like went off the deep end, uh, with like drugs and shit and like got cleaned up and was just basically like, I kind of like preferred living on the streets, doing whatever the fuck I wanted, getting fucked up all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, like there are definitely yeah. people who that lifestyle just kind of appeals sure, to. Sure. And to that I say, cool, just leave my shit alone. And, uh, but I think, like uh, there are a lot of people on the streets people on the streets that uh fucking you know like we just said after 2 years of a pandemic and like being out of work and shit like especially with housing prices how they are now like holy shit dude there especially, were no yeah. fucking yeah. real rent or mortgage moratoriums or freezes like the best they did here was uh you cannot pay it now but you got to pay it at some point when really what they should have done is told the banks like no you don't collect a mortgage period, period until we get out. the shit sorted right. out. Right. It's, it's on a freeze. It's not accruing interest. It is just paused like they did with student loans mm-hmm. and like just, and, and no fucking evictions yeah, you know what i yeah, mean
1: yeah 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 agreed they handle it completely wrong and there's a lot of things that they handle completely wrong and granted well pretty you know, much almost all of it well yeah but granted devil's advocate is you know hey this is my first you know worldwide pandemic so you know i get it we're you know we're learning the ropes but at the same time i i feel like common sense went out the window for a lot of that and you know the homeless got the back side of it too you know and not saying yeah. they're all some many some people and some do choose but and again, you know, this is a podcast about weird shit, not necessarily homeless, but man, I just, you know, I don't know. I just want to put the voice out there because it, it's uh, it's, sad, you know, and I'm sure other cities are kind of not really doing what they should be doing either. With homeless, No, I mean, like you know? they're,
0: they're sweeping camps here in Salt Lake, too. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. what are you doing? You're taking away the few possessions these people have. You're destroying the only shelter they have. We're taking it from them and you're telling them to move the fuck on. Like where the fuck are they supposed to go? Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, so if you you're not giving them somewhere to go, yep,
0: then yep. leave them the fuck alone. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah.
1: And, and that's, I think that's why I brought it up on this podcast was because uh, we're trying to pass a, a law basically in Washington now to get this $25 million thing that's supposed to go towards homeless and everything else. That is a no sit and lie law, which basically, you know, you can't sit or lie on the sidewalks between 6 a.m. and 12 a.m. Um, if there's room in a shelter da 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 and okay. which is but fucking stupid is it's stupid in number one and number two we don't fucking have shelters because the money's not going towards them because nobody's putting in the programs to house all the homeless to give them a place to go if you don't have a place for them to fucking go, then that's problem number one so it's anyway. like
0: classic liberals doing a doing trying to do a good thing the worst way possible like yeah yeah okay yeah you can have all this money to throw at this problem and try and make a difference and try and fix it but uh fucking what if we help someone who doesn't really need it oh no oh god forbid forbid. so now it all has to be means tested right like you can have the money but i better not see a fucking bum on the street between the hours they could be in this theoretical shelter that doesn't exist until you get the money and even then who knows yeah you know yeah, what yeah. i mean no, no, it's I just it. like it. yeah it's like yeah. talking about it's crazy like the ppp loans and like forgiving student debt like oh no what if we help someone like what if we forgive student debt of someone who could pay for it who fucking cares because most people that are in that most people that are suffering from financial hard times due to student loans and shit sorry the i know it's a different subject but like what i'm The point I'm trying to make is just that, like, if you accidentally help a few people that don't need it to help a lot of people that do, that's not a bad thing. Drop on the ocean. If if that's the kind of collateral
1: damage we're looking at, fucking who cares? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And again, folks, um, fast forward about 12 minutes into it. Um, because now we're going to get in an actual subject of the podcast. It's just one of those things. Like I said, we're all humans and, you know, that's something that, uh, was on our minds. You know, it, it's a, it's a fucking weird time for sure.
0: Yeah. But, it's but, been a hell
1: of a day. I'm feeling yes, spicy. Sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and so let's talk about this. Talk about feeling spicy, dude. We, so we've been kicking around this topic for a while and finally decided to pull the plug on it and go, you know what? We're going to do this. Um, one of the reasons I think that I personally, I don't know what your your say is on it, but it, it, I know it's been out there. I know there's all these theories and the conspiracies about it, but I, it, it's batshit crazy for the most part. And it, there seems like it goes down different roads. Nobody can decide really what fucking occurred. And so now we finally decide, you know what, we're going to take a jab at this. Um, not saying that this didn't happen, wink, wink. Just saying, man. This is hard to swallow. And not saying that there is some founding truth in some of this, because, you know, again, we talk on this podcast. We know the military has done things. We know the government has done I'm sorry. You can't, you know, it's just not our government. Every government, it happens. There's secret ops that's been happening for for decades. But this one, damn. I I guess that's all I got to say to start it. And I don't know if you have any rebuttal on that, Josh, but Uh, this is going to be a fun one
0: thought this was the Tabasco sauce episode. So if you could cut out the spicy joke, that right. would be that would be cool.
1: Well, so if you're ready, um you want to delve into it? Yeah,
0: let's fucking do this dumb shit.
1: All right, here we go. Um so as far as government cover ups go, the Montauk Project may be one of the most well guarded secret government projects that ever existed or never existed. Again, cases out for both of us here. Uh, The Montauk experiment is basically the Area 51 of New York, and stories about the project's time travel experiments, use of alien technology, and research in a telekinesis have managed to both enthrall and terrify conspiracy theorists since the government shut down the, quote, Roswell of the Coast experiments in the early 80s. Uh, theories about the Montauk Project's U.S. government time travel research program intersects with other alleged secret government programs, including the Philadelphia Experiment, where an entire battleship was said to have disappeared from the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in 1943. And that case, we cover all the way back in season two, I want to say. Um, that was one of the first ones we did when we all got together. So
0: Yeah. Uh, the good old days when... Uh I was so pretty innocent. much blackout drunk by the end of every episode.
1: <laughs> One of those anyway. Um, but so look back if you want to cover that. It's an interesting story too. And there's shades of this that come back into this whole Montauk thing. We'll cover that later. Um, and let's add that Montauk fairly recently was back in the conspiracy news when, in 2008, a beaked, hairless creature washed up on its shores who many believed was an experiment gone awry from nearby Plum Island. Ah, uh, yes, the Montauk monster. Yes. And actually, I'll be honest with you. I was going to say Plum Island is a whole nother episode that we can do because oh, yeah. there's some shit that has happened on Plum Island. That uh, man,
0: Sidebar about that real quick. Mm. Do you... Uh, did you ever watch that show? It's come up on this show a few times, but it's been a while since I asked you, so I I forget. But uh, did you ever watch that show that Jesse the Mind Ventura had? No, no.
1: I, I, I think it was I, just called
0: Conspiracy it. Exclamation Point. Right. But he would go through and like investigate all these conspiracy theories, and he tried to like use his past uh, clearance as a former Navy SEAL and former governor of a of a state to force his way onto Plum Island I'm, kind I'm of the way you, he tried I'm, to do it uh, at the harp
1: installation. I'm glad you did say former wrestling enthusiast because, you know, there's that, but yeah. <laughs> so I don't I think mean, as far seen. as
0: conservatives go, he was all right.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Very fair enough. Yeah. I heard he did a good job covering it. So yeah. One of those things I haven't, I haven't seen it at all. And like I said, you know, it's one of those, uh, one of those ones we probably should cover, but
0: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So, for those reasons and many more, the Montauk Project feels very real. Admittedly, the idea that 10-year-old boys are being sent to Mars is pretty far-fetched. But the government getting excited about mass hypnosis via radar tower? Hmm, that seems like something that was definitely discussed at one point in time. And we will go even further and say the case behind the Montauk Project has been snatched up by Hollywood, which continues to add to the lore of it all. And I'm not even going to mention what show, if you guys don't already know. it's on Oh, Netflix, I'll get to yada, yada. it. Yada, yada. Oh, I'm sure you will. Um, so even if you don't believe in the government cover-ups that involve time travel teleportation and the physical manifestation of monsters from inside our very own brain bags the montauk project is a lot of fun to read about even if the jury is out whether it actually happened at all so sit back relax and join us as we fall down the rabbit hole of the montauk project open the gates Montauk, New York, isn't even a town. Let's just start there. It's technically a hamlet, which is eh, cute-sounding, right? Um, With a population of a little over 4,000 as of the 2020 consensus. It's a perfect place to supposedly house a secret military installation which would delve into time travel, teleportation, psychic warfare, and wait, the object creation research, which we will get into because, damn.
0: That is a doozy. Um, Since you just set the stage, I want to... Sorry if this is an inopportune no, moment absolutely. to interrupt, Hit it, man. But just to get set, some ground rules: uh, Do you want me to hold my incredulity to the end and then start ripping shit apart, or do it as it comes?
1: Man, you feel free to do whatever you think flows. Either way, I think this is going to be a shit show. So have at it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, also, dear listener, uh, we're going to play a little drinking game. Um, every time you think you know. Uh, you know the Hollywood connection here, like the one we're definitely talking about. Uh, make a tally mark, and then uh, at the end, when we when we get to that, you can uh, oh shit, just chug all of it, <laughs> or gonna, you can drink as you
1: go. Whatever you're, you're gonna have to, yeah, whatever you got. So, um, alright. Anyway, I'll shut up. No, no, no worries, no worries at all. So, um, just FYI, even though it's known as the Montauk Project for the most part, it was an actual camp that was set up, known as Camp Hero. So we feel obliged here. We'll do some background on this whole uh, history of this camp, you know, because we think it's kind of warranted. So it started as an Army base, 1942, and was named after Major General Andrew Hero. Evidently, you know, great last name for what he supposedly was. Yeah. Um, It started as an army base in 1942, and then Montauk was a probable invasion point by submarines, and that's one of the reasons they picked it there. They started acquiring more land in the area, as well as started uh, to build docks, hangars, barracks, and a torpedo testing facility. So Camp Hero grew to 278 acres, and it was like its own little town, just like every other base. It had its own recreational facilities, barracks, power stations, training facility, yada, yada. Um, What's kind of cool about Camp Hero was that it was built to look like an East Coast fishing town, mainly because, you know, again, that's where the subs come in. That's where, you know, they would get hit first. So they were trying to, I guess, play the camouflage game back in the 40s, which, you know, the the jury's out whether it worked or whether it didn't work. I'm going to say it probably didn't, but... Whatever.
0: Um, no, nah, probably did. Like yeah. there were a lot of uh, a lot of like what you would typically think of as more like new England fishing towns around the long Island sound eh, uh, true. back yeah. then before everything got fished out. Like I think Billy Joel has a classic song about it. The fucking down Easter Alexa or something like that. I, I, anyway, I have no clue.
1: <laughs> so, and maybe, you know, like I said, this wasn't the only base to do that. Other bases did that too. Right. Yeah, um, the bunkers had windows painted on them and the gym was built to look like a church. So a couple examples there. When World War II ended in nineteen forty nine, the base was shut down and used for training by the Army Reserve. The naval facilities were left abandoned and guns were dismantled. Then the Cold War began and a radar tower is immediately built, which we'll take we'll actually talk about that later, because that's a big uh that's a big part of this whole thing. Uh, In 1953, the camp was changed to the Montauk Air Force Station. Another cool note is that the Montauk Air Force Station developed and or tested all of the new state-of-the-art technology, uh, magnetic memory, light pins, keyboards, and the list goes on. And, you know, we're thinking that this may be too led to the whole theory of the secret experiments occurring here, uh, being that that's, you know, they're testing just on the brink of whatever the technology may be. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. It kind of ties together, right? In uh, 1984, it was given the National Park Service, and then they turned it over to the state of New York, which opened it as a state park in 2002. So currently, it sits on 755 acres of thick forest and desolate wetlands with spectacular 360-degree views of the Atlantic Ocean. So it sounds beautiful now, but as we delve in a little deeper... There were some, eh, right, let's just say, uh, pretty horrific things that occurred. Again, allegedly, you're going to hear us use that uh, allegedly that, that word allegedly. often. You can't see our rabbit ears on video, but we're doing the rabbit ears allegedly. Uh, one of the most notable pieces of the 278-acre site is a SAGE radar tower. 120-foot, 70-ton dish, which has fallen into disrepair since it was donated, uh, which, again, was the tower's built when it was converted to an Air Force base. So uh, this dish transmitted radio signals designed originally to give the U.S. at least a 30-minute warning of an attack during the Cold War, which, you know, again, nothing different. A lot of bases did the exact same thing, especially the coastal ones, because this is what we were in the middle of. However, it's also theorized that the 425 to 450 megahertz range that the tower put out was designed to penetrate human consciousness. Shit. Here we go. Human consciousness. So this makes a person susceptible to mind control. Wait, let me get my tinfoil hat. <laughs> Give your your potted pan, put it on your head. This is where another seed of the Montauk project was planted, we believe, which we're pretty we're not betting people, but we're pretty fucking sure, you know, this didn't add to to anything. Um, in reality, the band 420 to 450 megahertz is used by the military and other federal agencies for a number of important radar applications, multifunction, position, location, communication systems, flight termination, yada, yada, the list goes on. But basically, this band, and it still currently is, is very essential national security. So, you know, again, not to throw facts out there and poo-poo this whole fucking brain thing, but if we're going to cover this, we should cover it the right way. And, you know, facts are facts, and those are the facts. So... Also, nowhere in our research, and and trust me, I extensively did the L Google scrolling to look it up to see if the whole does this frequency penetrate the brain. Da da da. Never really found it. There might have been one weird caveats here and there, but nothing really came out. Um, so I don't know. You know, and again, if that really is how that works and that's a formula, I fucking we'd be building one right now as we speak because damn, I like to control some minds. Just saying. So yeah, just a few. Yeah. Specific ones. One. But anyway, so there's there's some history there. Um what do we got for the actual project, man?
0: Well, the actual project, well, it was uh kicked off in 1971 when a mix of military and private contractors went off the theory we mentioned previously. So obviously this is where we're talking about the actual conspiracy theory with a little bit of the actual military project mixed in there. It's going to be fun to try and like figure out which is which everything. right <laughs> yeah um so uh again radio signals in the 425 to 450 megahertz range were required to get inside the human consciousness and to allow for mind control attempts the sage radar systems ran at these frequencies and could be converted into a huge radio sound easily Better yet, the Sage radar system was currently obsolete, uh, thus the scientists would be able to use, to use one with no detriment to national security. So basically, right. even though the frequency is still being used, that particular, particular piece of equipment was obsolete, so they could use it without allegedly, without, right. uh. Right. Fucking anything up,
1: yeah, and and also, so a little quick caveat too on that. I I did look up not just you know fucking penetrating the human consciousness, all that yada yada, but just health concerns. So yeah, okay, with radar there are health concerns. You know, it, they even there's reports that even the handheld ones that police use for radar detecting, you know, saying that maybe it causes something. But there here's the problem with that. There's so many different factors of that happening. It's not just the range and the frequency it's putting out. It's what kind of voltage is running, how many pulses it does, how many, like there's so many different factors and, you know, people that work on these things are noted to have, you know, health issues. But again, again, you know, going into the consciousness, uh, okay, you know, we'll just leave that out. But I just want to throw that in there real quick. Cause I did go down that road a bit. So.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's pretty weird. Um, so, Researchers made a home out of the defunct base uh, to begin Project Phoenix 2. Uh, what about Phoenix 1, you ask? A quick history footnote is that the original Phoenix Project was a classified CIA operation where military uh, carried out targeted assassinations of members of the National Liberation Front that occurred in Vietnam until the early 70s. So this Phoenix 2 was a somewhat continuation. Uh, I'm not sure if that's like how those works. Work like the naming like conventions of yeah. missions, but
1: I, I think it has a loose, loose tie to it. But again, and I looked up Phoenix. Um, it was a thing. Like they interviewed and they, you know, would pinpoint these people. You know, so that existed. That whole thing actually did occur, at least in one form or another. So, anyway,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, so numerous military servicemen and air force radar technicians who had worked with the sage radar system throughout the sixties were put on the Montauk project and stayed on until it began to die on itself in an experiment in 1982 that connected the researchers at Montauk with researchers on the USS Eldridge some 40 years prior. More about that later.
1: Yeah. That's when it starts getting kind of juicy here. Um, Uh, So let me cover a fun fact. So the actual circumstances surrounding the financing of the Phoenix 2 project are shrouded in a veil of mystery. Project funding seemed to come from private sources, although some evidence points to an alleged Nazi involvement. Because, come on, man, you can't have a good story if Nazis aren't involved, right? That's always a thing. So this involvement came in the form of $10 billion in gold smuggled out of Europe at the end of World War II. Apparently, a train carrying the gold was blown up while passing through a tunnel in Allied-occupied France, killing 51 American soldiers. Even General George Patton, furious that such an act of sabotage could have occurred, was unable to determine how the train had been hit or who had made off with the gold. Other evidence states that after the money from the gold was used up, the Krupp family financially backed the project. And if nobody knows who the Krupps are, they actually owned and operated numerous munitions factories during World War II and World War I, um, huge family that kind of had the monopoly on that whole thing. So I uh, found that interesting that maybe, maybe, if again, allegedly – this is where some of the funny came out. That's another quick little uh adventure story, if yes. I mean, it so. wouldn't be surprising. It wouldn't. Absolutely not. So there there you go.
0: All right. So they began reconfiguring the base to their Phoenix two slash Montauk project. Uh there seemed to be more to it than originally thought. If you're thinking that the government kept their super secret time travel portal underground because they didn't want people seeing what they were up to. You're totally wrong. Um, According to Preston Nichols. And if you have ever like even casually glanced at this case, you know, this is where shit gets real fucking weird. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: His name's all over this fucking thing stamped all over this thing.
0: Oh yes. It's, it gets interesting. Um, According to Preston Nichols, a scientist who worked, at montauk allegedly and who wrote the book with peter moon in 1992 called the montauk project experiments in time he said the portal had to be built underground because of construction issues and uh they probably also didn't want people knowing what they were up to yeah. uh, in an interview with the website forbidden knowledge which also is very reputable uh Nichols <laughs> explained uh, they had trouble building this above ground because when they started to test above ground, the fields from trans from the transmitting equipment were so strong that they had to locate it low enough below the ground that there would be a neutral point between the fields of the equipment. Um, also, they wanted to, wanted to be able to make it big enough. I think it was two hundred fifty feet. I think the one we had at Montauk was two hundred fifty feet to three hundred feet, something like that. Of course, above ground where you would be would have been (laughs) where there would have been certain construction problems uh, with making the thing below ground where they have uh, (laughs) the undergrounders making holes in the floor and pass the pipe and the wires through the floor and up the thing. And uh, you don't have to worry the wind's going to blow it down and this sort of thing.
1: Okay, so, you know, it's funny um, that that's exact quote from him. And so if that's how the book reads that he wrote with Peter Moon, good geez. God. He definitely <laughs> sounds like a scientist. He, he really does.
0: Um, you know, the undergrounders <laughs> and the things and the pipes. And the things
1: and the pipes and the pulling and the pushing and the – Jesus Christ.
0: And if you've ever heard audio of this guy talks it, talk, it's – fucking wild man
1: oh it's it's yeah i bit some pieces when i was doing the research episode for sure um but we actually so we're gonna take a quick break when we come back uh we're gonna tell you a little bit of background of mr nicole's here and we're gonna kind of continue um this <laughs> this story so stand by believe in ufos felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain contemplate the other side of reality do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense well look no further than strange uncles find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801 252 6945 open the gates All right, and we are back. Um, so here's some curious, and and we we've, we've done this here once or twice during this episode on just kind of explaining some backstory because not only the base but the people involved. I feel like you know we feel like that's important because you know it, the people telling the story, right? They gotta have they gotta have some kind of notoriety about them for sure. Um, so here's some background for Mister Uh in the 1970s and 80s. Nichols was the leader of a group called the Psychotronics Movement. He claimed that the government agents were using electromagnetic radiation to transmit ideas directly into people's heads. So there's that. His followers, some whom still wear solid metal pots on their heads, and there are still followers, by the way, to block all the microwaves that are coming in. They claim that Nichols was also able to control the weather, which delves into the whole heart project that we also covered back, I don't know, it's like season three or some shit like that. So, Nichols himself claims to have been teleported, yes, you heard that correctly, to Montauk in 1968 and says he worked on Camp Hero's semi-automatic ground environment radar tower, which, if you guys are catching up and paying attention, that stands for SAGE, so the whole time we are talking about the radar tower. That's what it stands for. Uh, The first big test of the Montauk sage dish occurred after researchers discovered that the general mood of the base changed depending on the frequency and pulse duration of the radar system, as well as animals losing their shit every time it rotated. And that was from another witness that I didn't put a name in here, but there's several witnesses that live near the base that said fucking all hell would break loose every time that radar dish spun around. Again, whether that was the case or not, not sure. So... The Phoenix 2 scientists realized that by changing the rate and the width of the pulse, they could alter the way people felt. They experimented with making people laugh, cry, get angry, and grow sleepy. In 1973, the researchers moved on to testing whether or not they could alter the thoughts of large groups of people at once. They initially experimented on soldiers who believed that they were at the base for R&R before moving on to civilians in Long Island, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. As the scientists dialed in the mind-controlling process, they stumbled on another grand idea. They asked themselves this, how can we make a device that would allow for precise manipulation of a target? So bring into the picture now the chair, and this is where it turns from air. So,
0: yeah, this, uh, just the description of the chair reminded me a lot of, uh, the golden throne that the God emperor of mankind sits upon in, uh, in Warhammer 40k.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: There you go. God. Uh, Anyway, aside from the sage dish, one of the most important pieces of technology in the Montauk project was, quote unquote, the Montauk chair. Um, An interface device that was used to boost a test subject's psychic energy to help them perform a variety of tasks. No one knows or remembers where the chair's technology came from, although it most likely... Uh, It's most likely that most, if not all, of the chair's parts came from extraterrestrial technology, allegedly, supposedly, all that fun stuff. Of course. Uh, course. The first version of the chair went online in 1974 and allowed a psychically active person to transmit their thoughts to the second base in Southampton, which is in Long Island. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a problem began to occur with physics transmitting a false reality, which created something called time glitches. These glitches were bad enough that they were cause for construction of the second chair, which would be used throughout the rest of the Montauk project's existence. Hmm. Supposedly, a third chair was set up in Britain on the Thames River. The most accomplished member of the Montauk team, psychic researchers, Duncan Cameron, began to work on creating solid objects via telekinesis thanks to... Uh, the increase in psychic energy from the Montauk chair, the idea behind spontaneous object creation was for Duncan to visualize an object, a watch, a gun, or even some people have said a building and materialize it somewhere on the base.
1: So can I just, can I just throw something in there? Why does this sound like fucking professor X off X-Men? I mean, it's just me. Why do you think they're making this shit up? Okay. Well, hey, hey, (laughs) hey, hey, we're covering this story. Very, you know, devil's advocate on the fence could be real, could not be real. It's not real. So continue. Sorry.
0: Oh, all right. Gladly. (laughs) According to researchers from the project, uh, depending on the amount of power Cameron drew from the chair, he could create permanent objects limited only by his imagination However, if he received a weak signal, many of the items would remain intangible or fade as soon as the chair's power source was turned off. After Cameron mastered creating objects with his mind, researchers began to experiment on manipulating the human mind. Uh, this continuation of the project was allegedly referred to as the Seeing Eye.
1: Oh.
0: Whatever. During this experiment, Cameron was given a lock of hair or an object that was important to a person and focused his psychic energy. He could see and hear everything the person was experiencing no matter where they were after Duncan was able to successfully relay information with the seeing eye. Researchers at Montauk (laughs) began to experiment with using a psychic soldier's thoughts to project an alternate reality on a target as a form of PSYOP warfare. As one does. Yeah. Why not? Uh, They attempted to program people and animals to act in a variety of strange ways. And it's believed that they uh, uh, it's believed. that. (laughs) Oh, God, it's believed that they had some success with this. However, there's no concrete evidence of anyone Uh. being uh, psychically controlled via the Montauk chair. Um, right. the only part of this that doesn't just sound like it's straight out of uh science fiction is the uh the psychic warfare stuff cuz that's like mk ultra kind of shit but with psychic powers instead right. of you know dosing them with acid
1: <laughs> well no, so here's another thing too and again not to kind of you know bring some maybe possible reality into this whole thing but and again we talk about military doing experiments we know well, you know, we've had people on the show. We've done experiments about remote viewing. So, you know, all right. There's some kind of, I think, you know, maybe remote viewing. We know the military did it. We know there was Stargate and these other projects that they had. We had a guy uh, that was on the podcast that actually worked for the military that that said, no, look, this is what we saw and this is what we did. Now, I'm not saying that that is a thing, but again, we've done experiments. I think that the remote viewing thing, okay, cool. I, I can wrap my head a little bit about that, about you know, being attuned, whatever have you. But a chair and psychic ability and I I don't know. You, you lost me at that point, I think. You know. Yeah. Not, not, not I mean, and add, also you know, if but.
0: you're if you're starting to uh draw parallels between uh the story we're telling you right now and a certain pop culture phenomenon that's been going on for the last couple of years uh-huh. you're probably right
1: yeah we'll
0: get to that in more detail later
1: yeah i'll let you go ahead but and i just cover like to some sprinkle
0: some breadcrumbs you know
1: <laughs> here and there yeah what it is well here it is so with that being said let's uh i'm gonna delve into this camera guy so we want to dig a hole into him a little bit because Damn, his story is original. Is, and again, there's different variations of his story, along with these other people that are involved, but this is the most, I don't want to use the word founded in truth, but, you know, loosey, very loosey-goosey, I'll use that. Uh, the story of Duncan Cameron Jr. is a very confusing one, to say the least. According to the authors of the book The Montauk Project that we mentioned above, um, Duncan was a sailor aboard the USS Eldridge when the Philadelphia Experiment was conducted. The experiment resulted in him being catapulted forward in time to arrive at Montauk Base in 1983. He then began. He became involved in the Montauk Project and was bounced about the time stream before being returned to 1943 in an attempt to stop the experiment that had started it all. So I don't know if that's confusing yet, but uh, but I'm going to add more shit on there. So here we go. Oh, good. Yeah, please. There's more. So, supposedly he was told by one of the head researchers on the Montauk Project, a man by the name of Dr. John Von Neumana, and that Duncan and Edward, who was Duncan's brother, along with another guy by the name of Bilik, which we're going to get into um, later on in the story here, they needed to return in 1943 to turn off the generators and end the experiment being conducted on the Eldridge. Both Duncan and Edward agreed to this plan, making a number of time trips for the Montauk researchers before returning for good to 1943. So, in case you're worried about him, there you go. So, finally, uh, the brothers reappeared on the Eldridge and managed to shut off the generators by smashing transmitters, cutting any cables they could find. Just before the Eldridge returned to its proper place in the time stream, Duncan went back through the time portal and returned to Montauk in 1983. Ta-da! So, there's that. Mm -hmm. It is unknown why he did so, although it's suggested that he may have been, quote, programmed to, so there's that. Oh, so even he doesn't know why he did that. Yeah, he had no fucking clue why he did that at all. Yeah, He liked light beer. Right, exactly. I don't know why I wake up in the morning. So there's that. Uh, Once in 1983 for good, uh, Duncan found himself severed from the time stream. Then he grew old at a fantastic rate and began to die from the effects of extreme aging. Using unspecified techniques. Okay, I'm going to pause real quick here. Anybody that has a set of hip boots or something or a chair to stand on might want to get that shit out because it gets pretty deep. Using unspecified techniques, the Montauk scientist managed to save Duncan by transferring his mind or signature to a new body. This new okay. body was obtained, was obtained through the help of Duncan Cameron Sr., the father of Duncan Jr. and Edward. Using a time portal, Montauk personnel contacted Duncan Sr., in 1947, informing him that their need to save his son's life is mm-hmm. at yeah, 100%. The solution was for Duncan Sr. to have another son. Of course, of course, that's the solution, right? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Nah. Spare parts. Common sense. That's what they named him. Yep, yep. Uh, in 1951, the second Duncan Cameron Jr. was born. In 1963, when this Duncan was 12, the Montauk scientists transferred the old Duncan's mind into the child's body. This forced the second Duncan out of... Although, that is a faith that remains unexplained. So even all this other... We're not sure about this little piece of the puzzle. But Why sure? I'll stuff, have another
0: child I won't love to replace the child that I, I guess I
1: do love. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> As you speak in the English accent. So, yeah, you know, fucking typical Friday night, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Anyway, um, <laughs> not for the side trip, but we just wanted to explain these characters, and I think that that was... Um, yeah, it was an adventure in its own self. So anyway, that's Duncan. So wanna, wanna throw that
0: out Well, there. it's not gonna get any saner from this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gonna get fun. Uh, after the success of the spontaneous object creation project, it was discovered that a side effect of the tests was that the flow of time was altered when objects that were being materialized appeared earlier or later than they were meant to. Not that shit wasn't already weird. Now you add time travel to the recipe. Jesus. Uh, you know, cause what could possibly go wrong? Right. Um, this caused Montauk to enter a third phase of research. Uh, it was found that by focusing their psychic energy, guys like Duncan Cameron could open what was referred to as a time tunnel. Oh, sure. Um, as you can imagine, initial versions of the time tunnels were not too structurally sound. And rather than send government researchers to certain doom, they allegedly began to kidnap large numbers of homeless people to use as test subjects. Ah, I missed this part when I was reading this earlier, I was like, you forgot about the kidnapping of homeless teenagers. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Montauk boys, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. So, according to researchers, scientists at Montauk would spend a week prepping the men and women for their trips through time. If they managed to return, they were expected to make a full report of what they found on the other side. It's believed that most of the test subjects never returned, however, because of course not. Um, Aside from sending homeless people through time, the researchers at Montauk also established a boys' brigade of all-male blonde-haired, blue-eyed Caucasians in order to travel through time.
1: Oh, that doesn't sound Nazi-ish at all.
0: No, not at all. Uh, why would, why uh, would that ever matter about anything no, in America? No, no, no. Um, hmm. According to survivors of the Montauk Boys program, uh, children were chosen due to their uh, naive sensibilities and openness to whatever they would find on the other side of the tunnels. It's believed that many of the boys were sent to the year 6037 A.D., in order to investigate a quote-unquote ruined city and examined a statue of a horse before reporting back on what they found.
1: Okay, so let me iterate. So the book that we talked about earlier, uh, The Montauk Project that Peter Noon and um, uh, Peter uh, Nichols wrote, that's what's on the front cover is like this horse. It looks like a, a knight. On a chess piece. Uh, Anyway, just a little fucking caveat there. Yeah. Just another
0: fun, little weird thing out of the minds of these two fucking lunatics. And you know
1: what? You don't have to travel to 6037 to see a ruined city. Uh, We are here presently. So we're, we're good. There's plenty of them around, Uh, you know, but eh, anyway, just
0: visit, you know, the Midwest. Right.
1: (laughs) Jesus. Oh, we have no listeners in the Midwest anyway.
0: Well, I mean, you Uh, know, Detroit is Detroit.
1: eh, True. Very true. Uh,
0: there's a reason the region's called the Rust Belt. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there are also stories of the uh, MBP members viewing events from the World Wars and the Civil War, of course. Mm-hmm. Although there's no record of them ever interfering with these events. One of the surviving members of the team, Al Blilich, arad- alleges... That the boys program didn't just travel through time to look at a confusing horse statue, but that they took multiple trips to a research station in 100,000 BC to collect canisters of light and dark energy. And that they were the first of many groups to travel to Mars, which is where Project Montauk would soon shift its attention.
1: I'm glad they explained that because I was on the fence, whether, you know, those dates and. 100,000 BC. I mean, of course, canisters, light and dark. Well, canisters. you know, I was like all in up until this. This. Bit. Yeah, I really was too. I was, I was fed in. This is a little, it's starting to get a little squishy. So, yeah, Now okay. I'm like, I don't, I, maybe. Yeah. I don't.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Uh, once researchers at Montauk discovered that they could travel through time tunnels to distant points in Earth's past and future, they soon turned their gaze to the stars or more specifically to Mars. By harnessing the time tunnels, researchers were able to teleport away teams Thanks Star Trek to the red planet, <laughs> but it wasn't as easy as they believed it would be. Preston Nichols spoke of the road bumps on the way to big red. Mm. Oh man. I wish I could imitate this guy's voice. Cause it's fucking wild. <laughs> uh, they first got to Mars and realized that yes, there had been a civilization there at one time and the above ground remnants of it, uh, had crumbled back into dust, but they did detect huge underground installations, which were still making magnetic fields and this sort of thing they could detect. And they really, or they realized that it, uh, there was still machinery running underground. They couldn't figure out how to get down underground without, uh, bringing boring equipment and cutting a tunnel right down in
1: man. Isn't he just eloquent with words? I, I love his quotes. Yeah. Spot I mean, on. like
0: I have a hard time reading out loud, but Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck?
1: That's a little bit too much. So anyway.
0: Uh, oh, and also uh, like the whole reason that uh, Mars lost its atmosphere and water and shit was that it lost its magnetic field.
1: Oh, well there's that. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well. So while I was, uh, while I was reading through this and I got to that part, I was like,
1: Hmm. Hmm. I
0: mean, if I were uh, Elon Musk and were a serious person about going to Mars and terraforming it, maybe I would start with, like, is there a way to generate a massive planet wide magnetic field that would maybe allow an atmosphere to not be stripped away by the sun's radiation?
1: You know, it's funny, too. We talk about. Oh, uh, I guess
0: I'll just nuke it.
1: (laughs) Plan B. Plan B. Anyway, so um, we'll continue. So that was taken care of uh, by psychic all-star Duncan Cameron. He's back again, who was able to open a portal inside one of the Mars pyramids large enough to fit entire way teams. The way teams described seeing what was referred to as a, quote, solar defense system that had to be disabled before any further test could continue. So... There's that it's believed that of much of the film total recall is based on what was found by the Mars away teams, which, you know, again, that's in the Hollywood's got their talents all over the believed thing. by who I fucking don't know. At this point, I got lost um, but by wait. Preston Nichols and Duncan there's, Cameron. There's more they're such good they're, st- scholars, scholar, gentlemen, for sure. Uh, according to Preston Nichols and Duncan Cameron, after successfully traveling through time and teleporting to other planets, scientists tapped into a parallel universe that would come to be known as the Old Universe. An incredibly chaotic dystopia that has managed to bleed into our dimension, likely through the many time tunnels created at Montauk. So, you know, there's to the blame there. Uh, the old universe was also subconsciously influenced much of our most popular science fiction. Nicole said. So he's saying that this is a lot of ideas that we have now from sci-fi. Is this whole, you know, this travel that they've been doing? And
0: if this, if you don't know what specific piece of sci-fi pop culture we're talking about at this point,
1: holy shit! Stop listening. Because I think we laid it all out there. (laughs) The
0: connections will become clear by the end, but they should be pretty fucking clear.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Here's a quote, by the way, from Nichols Um, It seems like to me it's a parallel universe thing. Essentially, a long time ago, there was a parallel universe. Probably most of mankind was in that old universe. It evolved into a totally despotic form of government that took hold and held for millenniums, which is essentially what the one-world government was here, or has here. And what happened was a small rebel group that were fighting this, and the fight continued. It went on and on and on, just as in Star Wars, unquote, he says. Fuck. There you go. I think that's the Very last quote reliable we source. have from, uh, from Nichols. Anyway, there you go. Extremely
0: so reliable source.
1: Yes, yes, 100%.
0: Mm. oh god all right unfortunately the two scientists just don't go into how the montauk project picked up on this parallel star wars universe of course or how it helped turn our universe into a normal boring ass universe without lightsabers or x-wings or the force or like fucking yoda whatever um nothing good lasts forever and after a decade of playing with psychic warfare time travel and interplanetary teleportation the montauk project hit two very big snags oh no way good old al bialik one of the survivors of the philadelphia experiment another Mm -hmm. one yeah anyway uh He claims that when the USS Eldridge enabled its invisibility technology in 1943, he and another officer jumped overboard and were thrown through time to 1983, where they ended up in long Island in 1990. He gave a speech at the MUFON conference in Dallas, where he revealed everything that went wrong with the Philadelphia experiment and how that played a part in ending project Montauk. Bilek said, uh, we jumped over the side of the ship expecting to hit water. We didn't. We wound up in 1983, August 12th, on the shores, if you will, of another project called the Phoenix Project at Montauk, Long Island. At night, inside the inner peripheral fence, the guards came and grabbed us and took us downstairs.
1: So, can I say something real quick on that? Sure. And again, not to do movies, but have you ever, did you ever watch the Philadelphia Experiment? And I think, didn't it come out in like the early 80s? Like-
0: Mm, yeah, when I was very, very young. Yeah, it, me, me too. I like watched teenager, it. I, I, think, or I think I thought about watching it again when uh, we did that episode oh, did on it, it but the then I like watched the trailer and was like, there's no way I can sit through two hours of this. I think
1: I tried the first ten and was like, oh, fuck this thing. But it, it follows exactly what they're saying.
0: Very and, and similar again. to the final countdown.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Not to movie reference, but uh, uh, again, Hollywood talent. I'll allow it. You know, so anyway. All right. Um,
0: after being rushed into the research facility, Blalick and his partner were introduced to the researchers who explained that the invisibility technology on the USS Eldridge was interfering with technology in Montauk and that they had to go back in time to shut it off, which is where Duncan and his brother came into the picture. Uh, you know, like we talked about earlier mm-hmm. uh, while all of this was happening, a mutiny was brewing in the present day at Montauk and shit began to hit the proverbial fan. And this is no. where shit gets like f- fucking batshit crazy. Like you thought it was weird before. Oh boy.
1: Thanks for the, for the prep work here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> while Bailik was being filmed or sorry, filled in on how to shut down the experimental technology aboard the USS Eldridge, several members of the Montauk project who had become increasingly unsettled with the trajectory that their research had taken decided to pull the plug on the whole thing, according to members of the Montauk team. Mm. Or sorry, according to members of the Montauk team, while the heads of the project were dealing with the Eldridge, Duncan used the Montauk chair to manifest a creature from his subconscious, you know, like you do. Yes,
1: yes. I was waiting for Um, this. Okay.
0: In every report about Montauk, which you can trace almost all of them back to Preston and Duncan Mm -hmm. at at some point, um, it's referred to as the beast from the id. And it materialized as a large hairy monster that smashed its way out of the base, destroying and eating everything it could find. In order to rid themselves of the home wrecker, researchers were forced to smash equipment, cut cables, and essentially wreck 10 years of research in an attempt to shut off power to the base's transmitters, which powered the chair. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, once the power source was cut, the beast dissipated from this plane, and uh, the Montauk project was effectively finished. No one remembers what happened at Montauk because why?
1: why well, I'll, I'll tell you why of course
0: oh. their memories were wiped clean oh know, fuck like you do
1: yeah
0: you know mm. jesus uh sorry no, no 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 no.
1: It's, it's fine we're almost done hang on to all yourself. right i'm
0: trying to hold it together <laughs> after cameron created the beast from the id on august 12th 1983 the montauk project shut down and everyone involved was removed along with any surviving equipment Supposedly, a year after the climactic event, a special ops unit purged the base of anything that had survived the interdimensional time warping fuckup, and <laughs> removed anything they found that was deemed to be too sensitive to abandon. Oh, kind of like uh, I mean, can I spill it now? That,
1: well, hold on, hold on, hold on, that wraps everything in a bow, almost.
0: So all right, I go. was just gonna say picture of uh, the withdrawal from uh, from Afghanistan.
1: Yeah, but well, oh boy, that's that's too soon, sir. I feel so. Anyway, well here we go. While getting people to agree about what actually actually happened at Montauk, Long Island between the years of 1971 and 1982 is almost impossible. One thing that many theorists agree on is that the underground base is still in operation, running a series of clandestine black ops programs because. Yeah, why not? This belief stems from the fact that in 1984, when the camp hero's deed was gifted as parkland, the paperwork noted that the state owns everything on the surface of the base, but the government would retain ownership of everything below. So, that's not weird at all. Actually, that is not weird. That happens mm. often. It's. I was going to say that sounds easement. pretty standard. Yeah, it's a fucking standard. Anyway. Uh, I was going to go on another tangent, but I'll wait here for a second. There are
0: burn pits that they don't want people digging up, you know? Yeah.
1: Because you don't want the fucking dismantle weapons, everything else down there. Dead, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, no one knows exactly what the government owns below the supposedly defunct base, but theories about it's likely that the government have simply used theory to store buried munitions or even old equipment that can't be used anymore. Or maybe just maybe they're continuing the research that was unceremoniously brought to an end in 1982. So to wrap all of this up, there are reports of urban explorers that have tried to gain access to the underground portion, which they have, uh, only to find lock vaulted doors and what seems like way too many manhole covers that used to access the underground but are sealed. So very little of this crazy shit is really documented with the exception of Nicole's book, of course, and all the wild posts online were some Let's just say take more liberty than what we have covered here, which I started going down. It's so hard to write this because I started going down rabbit holes and you get like three quarters of the way through and you're like, oh, fuck. I just wasted like fucking 25 minutes. Like oh, that, yeah. would, that was what this whole write up was like. It was un- unbelievable. So, you know, personally, you can't tell me that the experiments are not happening. OK, so, you know, we again, we know the military. You know, we know what happened, but God damn it. Let's draw the line in the fucking sand here. Uh, th- this is just, uh, this is too much. But without all that being said, I just want to throw a quick caveat out there. If anybody's like at a flea market, or yard sale, and they see a chair with Montauk stamped on the back of it, uh, I might have some cash. So just let me know, you know, not saying that I don't believe, but you know, the, the, the jury's out, but holy shit. And so I just want to add, and Josh, we can <laughs> banner about this towards the end. Every now and again, we like doing these things. If you guys remember, we covered a a story about the Lemurians and, you know, the the mountain in California, Mount Shasta and all that. These are just – it's very hard when you do a podcast like this or you do topics like this because it's so – installed with the truth and what could be and what may not. And you kind of got to separate it. And every now and again, honestly, man, I think we just got to do some bullshit shit like this and laugh about it. I, if anybody out there believes in this, I, again, by all means, if you guys have something like, no, 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 I found, you can write us at strangeunclesatgmail.com. Let us know. We'd be more than happy to do any kind of evidence. But my God, this, this reads like the best sci-fi novel ever. And then you throw in the Philadelphia Experiment on top of that. Damn. Just saying. I mean,
0: it's like the classic blunder that all conspiracy theories make, right? Where, like, they can't just say that's not related to this. Once right. something else weird happens, they have to find a way to fold it in, right? Yep. Yep. And so shit just gets fucking yep. wilder and wilder and wilder. And finally, you're just like, well, what weren't you doing there?
1: Well, it's like kneading dough. Like you yeah. said, it's just it's constant fucking. And what's crazy about conspiracy theories, and this is a, is a very good example because I'll tell you, dude, I got on like Reddit and some of the other little forums, and there's people out there. If they don't mean what they're saying, then holy shit! Like they have got hook this hook line and sinker. Like they believe oh. everything this is, everything that happened. Absolutely, Yuri Geller was involved too, and he did this, he did that. I found that was part of this. Like it, it is just. Like there's got to be, there's got to be a boundary somewhere, and sometimes there's just not, and it goes well, this crazy.
0: Yes, and like, so there's a there've been a couple documentaries and a couple books, and I didn't want to say anything about Peter Noon because I can't remember the name of the dude that wrote the book that was like, we researched all this shit and we spent a ton of time with uh, Preston Nichols and Duncan Cameron and they are legit batshit fucking insane. hmm And I can't remember if that was Peter Noon or not. Well, <laughs> that, yeah. That okay, did that, yeah, yeah. and that, like, was the one that, like, published, like, an actual book about it that was, like, not what, what Preston Nichols wanted it to be, but, like, was, like, this is my experience trying to find this shit out from them. And uh, anyway it's pretty fucking wild. There was like a couple of like documentaries too about it where they definitely talk to Preston Nichols and Duncan, uh, Cameron. And I meant to rewatch the one that I most recently watched, which was a few years ago, uh, before this, but work's been nuts. And I just forgot and didn't have time. Um, but it's, uh, I, I, believe it was from a show called the dark files and it ended up being like the only episode. um, and they talk Don't about a lot that. of like really interesting other like side things like like there are people that go and like because it's an, an abandoned installation at this point right like there's not even people guarding it and people will go like
1: yeah it's explore like a, it's a state it park and- it's a state park thing what they so I did stumble on um, some things online that have like uh, and not weird you know websites but uh, like Atlas Obscura if you guys have never heard of that really cool website really and they go across the world about these places that are just um, forgotten, you know these weird little quirks, things like that, and it pulled up this, and it had. That's where I got the urban explorers from because they, they you know, maybe illegally, and they shouldn't have, whatever have you, but they got access to a manhole cover, went down, and found these vaulted steel doors, chained shut. Da da da. You know, and again, like you said, there's no fucking mystery. People hiding behind the shit. It more than likely is just shit they didn't want to fucking drag out of there. Old weapons, old fucking yep. min- whatever. You know, you know. I mean, you can't. That cleaning that shit up is fucking. Let's just put a cover on it, make the grass grow, and make a state park out of it. It's not that hard.
0: Yeah, you know no. what? It's too expensive to move all these Toyotas. The Taliban can have
1: them. Right, <laughs> the guy you know? say, fucking, That's a very, very good example. I mean, like, and that was another sh- fucking shit show that it really happened. You know, but it's military yeah you know, and it's the thing it's ironic that military intelligence means nothing of what it sounds like because it, well when it, your it's budget is waste. like seven
0: hundred billion dollars a year yeah, yeah you can afford Christ. to leave a few fucking yeah uh hiluxes and a few fucking land cruisers
1: yep just just hang out you know yeah and and you know what's funny is who knows what's behind those doors it'd be cool if uh you know you had shit like that or fucking uh, you know weapons or whatever have you and i'm sure honestly
0: like i imagine with how long it's been pretty much abandoned unless they do have any like weird background shit going on underneath there like all the underground stuff's probably fucking flooded. Like it's wet as fuck there. Oh, There've been a be. bunch of hurricanes yeah. that have gone through New York in the True. ensuing 40 years, you know, True. like, yeah. uh, if they're not, if the like machinery to keep the underground shit clear is not still operational. Like I'm sure half that shit's flooded. Like when you watch shows like mystery of mysteries of the abandoned or whatever, and they go to like these abandoned, uh, military in, in installations usually from like the cold war or the, or world war two, like anything that's underground, it's like fucking full of water.
1: Well, and if if it's not full of water, it's rusted to shit anyway, you know? I mean, it's just not, yeah. I
0: mean, it doesn't need to be in water to fucking rust, like just even moisture in the air is enough to fuck old metal up.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I was actually going to look at, because I want to throw the name out there. Um, God, who was it? We interviewed and he was very, I gotta say, I was very, I don't want to use the word like it was very impressive what he had to say. Oh, uh, Lynn Buchanan. So yeah. We interviewed Lynn Buchanan. He actually was part of the remote viewing. He's part of the military part of it. And, and again, you know, yes, this is kind of a bullshit story because wow, holy shit. But not saying that somewhere there in the thread, there's not some thread of truth and you know, the government did put money in a remote view, and there's a fucking movie based off of the men who stare at goats that Lynn Buchanan talked about. You know, it's just some of the things yeah. he said. I it was and it was very eye opening. So, you know, there's some platform of reality to a certain point that the military has been playing around shit like this. I mean, why not? They're going to find whatever they can do to get the upper hand in warfare, you know, whatever yeah. that means. I mean, that, yeah, that's like incredible. nothing
0: is off the table because if anything right. even kind of works, it works
1: right you know? Exactly. But holy um, shit, you know. Yeah. So I'm going to spill
0: the beans if you haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> uh, the pop culture thing we were talking about was Stranger Things, which season four just finished airing. Um,
1: yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: So uh, if you were drinking all along, take a hero shot. If you uh, were just keeping tally, hope you're still alive standing up after this <laughs> um but yeah like it, the, it i saw the parallels like throughout the whole story you know especially when it started talking about like the old universe and it's like oh that's the upside down these yeah. time tunnels yeah. oh those are the breaches in hawkin's lab and like even him talking about how like a year a year after the hairy beast of the id or whatever went nuts uh special ops team went through killed whatever was still around locked it up it reminded me of like the end of season two of stranger things where they're closing down hawkins lab like and stranger things like the working title for uh for season one which is like most people probably know this but if you don't um when they're filming shows and like tv shows and movies uh usually they have like a working title that's on everything um, to, so that people like the general public doesn't know what it is. So like, if you're filming in a neighborhood, the neighbors can't spill the beans. Can't be like, Oh, oh holy right, shit. Right, right. I know what's going to happen because I yeah. saw them filming it, you know? So they'll call it something else. And the uh, working title for the first season of stranger things was something along the lines of like the Montauk project or, or something like that. Like, like that show was very heavily influenced by this story. So, like, one thing they weren't lying about.
1: Didn't they say <laughs> exactly. it was... Wasn't there a monster in... Wasn't there something that got released or they couldn't contain in Strange Things 2? Or am I... Uh, every Something season. else. Oh, like, okay, that's okay, the okay.
0: whole okay. show, yeah, is, yeah, like, yeah. they fucking break the... They break the barriers between the realities and, like, fucked up uh, shit starts coming through. Yeah, yeah. Um, But instead of it being the old universe and, like, the realities blending they put a dungeons and dragons twist on it and it's like monsters that can be identified with or that are similar to monsters from like the game Mm -hmm. and uh and um instead of it being the old universe it's the upside down you know but it's but again that's like also to tie it to the little kid adventure shit
1: yeah, sure, sure. You yeah, and um, and again, you know, and again, Hollywood's going to take anything and run with it. I just, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things where <laughs> I, I I'm just fascinated by something that goes that deep and and has been kicked around for this long. I, I think that's the one thing that fascinates me. Well, what
0: it you reminds know? me of, honestly, is uh, SCP, um, which is like something I stumbled on on YouTube that I had no fucking idea about. I remember texting you guys about it, like Mm. probably a a year or two ago of being like, I don't understand this. Like everyone's treating it like it's real, but like it is fucking insane and there's no way it could be actually real. And you know, then when I was taking a break from the devil's lettuce and uh, looked at it again, I was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely not real. But what it is is it's like uh, this wiki like universe, right? Where, uh, someone initially came up with the concept of, uh, there's like a government, not a government, but like a secret government foundation that, uh, seeks out anomalies that threaten reality. Mm-hmm. And they have a classification system and the SCP stands for like secure, uh, contain and protect. And depending on what the anomaly does and all this stupid shit, um, it, uh, that's what the foundation does with it. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that, uh, they all, uh, they have this template, right? So there's the foundation, this authority figure that's trying to deal with this unknown thing. And then they write stories about it. Like just people, just whoever writes mm-hmm. stories about mm-hmm. it and they post it in the wiki. And it's basically kind of like, almost like creepy pasta. Um,
1: Oh, okay. I get what you, go. you know
0: okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, everyone's in on it but they treat it super seriously so they like right actually a lot of it is like really good interesting stories about like scp 937 is this fucking creature that has these powers or whatever and like this is the scenario of how it was discovered how it was captured or whatever and like the, it runs the gambit of everything and like a lot of times some of the even like really good ones will will add in like events from history or uh or like pop culture current well, to, events or to something. Add,
1: right, right. To add to like of that kind of like
0: give it thing. a little bit of a yeah, sense yeah. of like oh shit, this suddenly seems less fantastical. Right. Well, um, and and
1: there's books like that that people write. It's um, uh, fiction history. You know, where they. Yeah. 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 yeah, And they're and they're right around that. So, yeah, it's a thing. It's a and maybe, you know, you know, that's probably the best way. And that's good. I mean, actually, that makes absolute sense. I think I believe that. And I see how it kind of evolves and keeps going in that.
0: Yeah. And it's like a less sinister look at how conspiracy theories work. Right. right, Like less insidious because like everyone knows this is fake. that's involved in it and it's not like it's a company it's not like it's like lucas films or lucas Mm -hmm. art and Mm -hmm. or like uh games workshop that makes warhammer stuff where like the lore is written only by approved people who are authorized to tell certain stories and yeah there's canon and shit it's like anyone like if you wanted to you could go to that website and be like i'm gonna put in like this story about this thing and then some Weird YouTube enthusiasts will make like a twenty to forty-five minute video telling the story that you wrote. See, and, and, and some I, of them are really interesting.
1: I, I get that, and I, I completely, and that makes sense. But here's the problem: you've got a lot of innocent bystanders that are suckers, and they get fucking. Yes, <laughs> they get completely. And that's where like that. SCP,
0: yeah. everyone figures out pretty quickly that it's fiction is pretty cool and interesting. And especially to look at as like a foil for how conspiracy theories actually function. Mm. And then actual conspiracy theories, like where we were just talking about like any new weird thing they have to fold into, especially if it contradicts their particular theory, because right. Oh, because then yeah. they can't believe in that theory anymore. If they accept the fact that like something that happened that they're looking at in the news is, uh is real. So that's why you get people like saying fucking that, that, all that, sorts of wild ass shit that, especially fucking, around like things like QAnon and like uh all the things that built into QAnon, like all of the alex jones shit you know that, that's like,
1: just like next level shit though i mean that, that's another whole like i can't even fathom wrap my mind that that's a thing but i do believe that's a thing i mean that and that that's got to be how shit like this you know gets legs and continues you know it's just crazy yeah you know but i but again it's just you know
0: people who want attention or who are maybe a little unwell or who I don't know, get bored yeah, telling yeah. stories and doubling down on it. And then people who want to believe being like, Oh fuck, that's did you it, hear about this? You know, that, and nobody, that,
1: yeah. but that's a byproduct stopping
0: product, it? to be like, you know? "What? wait, wait, what? Dude,
1: that is fucking nuts. Did you think about what you just told me? <laughs> that's, that's a problem, yeah. you know? So anyway, what about yeah, this yeah. chair? <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. What? But I, you know, and again, we don't want to inundate you guys, you know, that we've been kicking this around for a while. There's some other topics that we, you know, we've been kind of kicking around that I'm, I'm kind of writing and putting together, but uh, this one was a fun one, you know, and I think, you know, with now with a new, you know, it's just Josh and I and kind of, this was good to kind of throw it out there and, and give it to you listeners and see what you thought about it. You know, and again, you know, and there might be a sliver of truth around it, but holy shit, it takes some pretty, pretty wide liberties. So there's that. But yeah anyway but we uh, we are going to continue we actually have a couple guests lined up that we had originally booked and we postponed and we rescheduled we'll get those on the calendar we got a couple of write-ups going on patreon members we actually. I try to get it done uh, for this one, but we completely ran out of time. But uh, we'll have some fun little just singular episodes for you guys. Little 20-minute little jobbies, you know, that'll just be for Patreon members. Um, it'll be fun, you know, so hopefully you guys do that. If you are not a Patreon member, you want to be, you can find us at patreon.com slash strangeuncles. Uh, let us know, uh, again, through the email out there if you have any topics or whatever. We do have one Patreon member that uh, I have not forgot about you, sir, uh, it is about a new Orleans story. I am writing it. And I just got to get it wrapped up. So we've got some special requests out there that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get figured out and we'll get it kind of in place. Um, if you have a story or you have a tale or you just want to call us and tell us to kiss our own ass, by all means, you can 801-252-69
0: kiss your own ass.
1: Yeah. I was gonna say Montauk chair or something in there. Uh forty five, you know, call us. So that's sixty nine forty five, let us know. Uh we'd love to hear stories, whatever have you, or if you have recommendations, you know, we'll listen to them. Um and yeah, man, thanks for listening. Josh, what do we got for uh socials?
0: Uh we are Marshall. Just kidding. We are uh sorry, it's been a long fucking day. I know, right? We are at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Uh, we are strange uncles podcast on Facebook and Insta Uh, you can find us on YouTube. We have one video that has like 1200 views <laughs> and then like a ton that have like a hundred views. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Yeah.
0: And then even more that have like five or 10. So if you guys want to like pump those numbers up, that'd be cool. Um, but also I understand if you don't.
1: Well, you know, honestly, so, you know, hey, if you guys are crazy about it, I just got done uh redecorating and building a brand new studio down here. So, you know, hey, if you're crazy, you know, write us. Well, we'll throw this shit on video, you get us of many weird shit on the back walls. So, you know, there's that. Yeah,
0: I mean maybe but, maybe put a virtual tour of your studio on Patreon and then at uh, some point yeah, maybe. maybe we can release it to the wild after I after can. we've let let the uh important people look at all your memorabilia.
1: Man, and that's why you make the big bucks, man. It's ideas like that, sir. That's what's medium, important right medium there. Medium bucks, sir. <laughs> Fair.
0: I wish they were the big ones.
1: <laughs> anyway, with that being said, um, fun story, fun to make fun of for sure. Do uh, you got anything on your side, man?
0: Oh, uh, no, but I would recommend that everybody check out uh, that Dark Files episode. It was supposed to be the like the first episode of a new show on history, and then there was a falling out between the people making it and the network. So that was the only one that ever got made and aired. Mm, Uh, But it's like a good balance of looking at the interesting and like remotely possible aspects of this case and getting like a taste for the insanity that is uh, the main people that are the source of the information about any of these.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say remotely is a key word here. Um, yeah so we could just you know just go from there
0: it's it's pretty much all insane but the, you get to experience that insanity and be like okay i could see why some people might be like oh, fuck it it's probably real you yeah know yeah I mean? true
1: yeah hey look there's people believing crazier shit for sure so uh, yeah you know like i said uh, you have know, the jury's out completely but anyway fun one to it's do it's entertaining no matter what it, it is entertaining man fun to do good shooting the shit with you man um hopefully your day goes better we've got more stuff coming down the pike for you guys and uh, yeah let's close the gates